Long overdue. Yes, sir. Been a little while. Nice to have you guys. And to everyone else who doesn't know what the fuck we're talking about, it's Bobby Rocks and Remy, joined by our good friends and former co-workers, Ian and Matt Brown. Yes, Matt gets his full name. <laughs> guys, I, introduce I yourselves. I always referred to him as Mr. Brown. Let's hear it for Ian and Matt Brown. <laughs> oh! He fucked it up. <laughs> I didn't fuck it up. I hit the right button. It's the fucking thing that's fucking it up. <laughs> Bob's right. getting spicy, so I'm just going to be quiet. Good. Be Jesus. All right. Relax, bro. I didn't hijack your shit. Right. What's that? I can't. Oh, you can't hear me. Oh, sorry. I mean, I'm sorry. That was. Let's be real. That, that pad was still appropriate. Okay. So what are we here to talk about today, guys? Oh, we're going to talk about some great wrestling history. Absolutely. But I think we have a lot of a lot of ground to cover. So, so if it's all right with you guys, one thing I was thinking about, and I did talk about this with you guys off the air, is if we kind of start from really where, like in the 80s, for us, that's when we started watching it. That's when it, it really changed. It changed under more than Vince McMahon, but I, I think Vince McMahon was a visionary. He saw he saw and did things that the rest of the field started to pick up on. And, and we can get into that a little bit more, but is that all right with you guys? We could pretty much start from uh, when he took over. That was, that was, that was the early 80s, right? Well, yeah, I mean, there was, there was, right, right. There was, there was like territories in wrestling, like that mapped out the whole country. So like, there was, there was sections like where all of these promoters came together and they were like, they decided that, listen, I'm not going to bring my guys to your area. You're not going to bring your Mm -hmm. guys to my area. We're going to have these sections off areas of the country where we're just going to fucking do our own thing. And that's what we're going to do. And that's what it was for a very long time. Excellent. And then once... Vince came along, Vince Jr. came along, he kind of fucking disrupted all that, and he was like, I want to bring everybody into this one fucking thing. He was like, I have a vision, my vision is this, and it went against his dad's wishes, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Very much so. One is named Remy. This is Remy. The other, Bobby Rocks. Bobby Rocks here. Together, they take you on weekly journeys of life from the point of view of Xennials, or people born in the late 1970s to mid-1980s. Their aim is to give a voice to the voiceless. It's the Xennial Odyssey Podcast. Welcome to the Odyssey. So what were like the biggest is, was there like a big three, a big five? Mm, it was spread out, right? What are you talking about for uh, the territories? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you had Stampede up in Calgary. That was, uh, I believe, Stu Hart and in, in, in the hearts up there. You had plenty down in the South. You had Big South. You had Jim Crockett. See, that was, and that's so like, cause what I think of the ones I go to are WWF before it became the WWE and, and Jim Crockett wrestling. Yeah. Uh, those and, are my two, because. Those are, the, I mean, Jim Crockett wrestling is essentially what became WCW when Ted Turner bought it out, right? The same line yeah. ended up following uh, the, the title uh, reign line. You guys know me. I mean, because I talked about it off the air, but my my bread and butter is ECW. Like, mm-hmm. I love that. And that came out of NWA. Literally grew out of that. And then it became is, um, East, like Eastern Wrestling Association. And when Paul Heyman got involved, that's when he... He was like extreme championship wrestling. Yeah, and, and I know we're we're like we jumping around a lot there because that gets us into the '90s. But let's go back to the '80s and let's go when Vince is really starting to change the game. And what were some of the things, storylines, or what he did with wrestlers and promos that that really kind of started to propel it in ways that it hadn't been propelled before? Well, I would say like just hearing Vince like ringside doing announcing with Jesse Ventura, like oh. like him having them him well, there. Well, which one? And, Jesse the body or yeah, Jesse the uh, mind? Yeah, yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Jesse the body, obviously. <laughs> yeah. But just having him there to purvey that was, was a great thing. No, it's a good take. I did talk to Matt 
off off of air, and I think that uh, Vince doesn't get enough uh, credit for his play by play announcing. He and, and what we, a maneuver! And we do, but we do agree. <laughs> Like, like Matt and I were talking, we do agree that there are announcers, and I think we could do that as like a separate thing. There are announcers that were better, but oh, yeah, but sure. uh, the for fact sure. that, yeah, he owned it and he said, screw it, I'll just be out there and I'll be doing play by play. And yeah, Jesse's out there, and maybe every now and then we could roll in Bobby the Brain Heenan and Gorilla Monsoon, and we just roll in Laces everybody. to the eyes, uh, McMahon. That was my favorite <laughs> Jesse the Body call. Yeah, but for McMahon to be on the mic and to be like the voice of the company and, and like the, the pseudo face of the company, because it's what the cameras are seeing, right? But at the same time, he's also the owner and he's running everything behind the scenes. But nobody knows that because you have Gorilla Monsoon. You have the the other, um, the president, um, Jack Tunney. You have Jack Tunney. You have all these uh, figureheads that are leading the company, but he's running the shots behind yeah. the scenes. He, he's all, he's in charge of all like yeah. creative and all that. For anybody who doesn't realize, because especially in the 80s when we didn't have mass media, what did that look, what did like behind the scenes look like? Nobody knew. That's my point. And it added to the mystique yeah, that went all, on. It was, that it was went called on. kayfabe. Like, yep. that's what it was. Like, these wrestlers, like, if they were heels or baby faces, which is, if you don't know what that is, baby face is a good wrestler, a heel is a bad wrestler. And those guys were never allowed to be even seen with each other, like, outside of the mm-hmm. wrestling, like, world. They went into, like, say if you were a baby face and in the 70s and you walked into a restaurant and there was a fucking heel there, you would have to walk out and fucking go the opposite yep. direction because you had fucking workups now you you used a term there that maybe some of the unindoctrinated <laughs> might not be familiar yes, with yes. but you mentioned kayfabe and in a roundabout way you're explaining it right now but can you give a definition to kayfabe it's it's like it's like the story like the story of wrestling like because wrestling like people would always say like you know wrestling's fake that was the big thing wrestling's fake but yeah i mean it's it, it, it there's a lot more to that it's athleticism it's these you know these super athletic guys who are doing these crazy stunt spots and not not all of them most of them are not great actors because we see mm-hmm. that in the promos like you know the the acting isn't there for me in the in the 80s you could tell who had the chops for right, like acting right, and who right, couldn't right. Yeah. for for example i mean Rowdy Roddy Piper, of like, like yeah P- piper's pit yep. i mean yeah the, the, who, we're forever going to remember the coconut Yes, yes. Oh, I mean, Jimmy Snuka. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. Superfly Jimmy Snuka. Yeah. Right, 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 right. No, but he was, he was definitely one of the most naturally charismatic mm-hmm. individuals. And, you know, again, back to kayfabe, he really lived that character. He yeah. very much portrayed it. Was, it was his own personality ramped up to 12. And then not at the same sure. time, even though he moved away from being in the ring, was Jesse Ventura. Like Jesse Ventura also had those chops. And I think it it worked to his advantage even better when he went as a as a color commentary. Right, right, yeah. right. Wait, do you mean the wrestler or the former governor? <laughs> <laughs> we left them out, yeah. Governor Ventura. Yeah, we left him out. People always say he's, like, very ridiculous to, like, have interviews with because he just fucking continuously cuts people off while you're trying to talk to him. I was going to say, does he refer to himself in the in the third person? As the governor? The body, yeah. The body yeah. says this. <laughs> the body. Someone get my fedora. No, he wore a boa, right? That was his big thing. He wore a boa. I think he had a boa. His big thing was the hip gyrations, and he would put, like, his opponent's wives and girlfriends on his trunks and start gyrating around and getting their head a little bit with some psychology. So that... Which which would bring you to the Rick Rude. Oh, like, you know, because that is my... Yes, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. No, it's okay. I was going to bring up that. I was going to talk about Rick Rude, and I think Rick Rude is one of the most underappreciated and underrated I, wrestlers. I totally agree with yeah. you. Because he did stuff, he did stuff like that too. But he, especially in the ECW, he's got something you can't even find the video. What he did to, uh, I think it was Francine. Yeah, think what oh, he did to Francine. Francine. You can't find that video. And he would come out and yeah. he'd be like, "I want all you fat, lazy, 
out of shape. What is it? Sweat hogs? <laughs> sweat hogs? <laughs> to take a look at what a real man looks like. And, and so I think uh, what was really smart because of the, the time period in the 1980s that Vince took advantage of is number one, he had Terry. Mm -hmm. And they just, they, I think they both worked together to see this angle of like all American good, good boy, superhero guy in Hulk Hogan. Mm -hmm. And pairing him with villains like the Iron Sheik, who, yeah, oh yeah, Iran, because, you know, communist, like, or even not yeah. communist, they're just evil. They're just evil compared to us. They're an axis of evil. Right, right. And the right. Iron Sheik, to his credit, was like, yeah, I'll go with that. I don't, I don't, I don't give a fuck. I'll, mm -hmm. go, I'll go with that. And not just that. I mean, is it fair to say that it, like Andre went back and forth? Between being like good and good and bad, it depends. Andre was around for a long time, and he was around for a long time before he was anywhere associated with uh, WWF or WWF back in the day. Um, Andre Rusimov made a name for himself originally wrestling over in in Europe, French by nature, but he was always portrayed as as a face, as a good guy, and. Leading up to WrestleMania three was the very first time that mainstream audiences saw him as you know a bad guy, mm -hmm. as as a heel. When he reached over, he ripped uh, Hulk Hogan's cross off his neck. He's like, "What are you doing, brother? Not you, Andre." That was uh, that came up on my uh, reels. Oh, really? Last night, the contract. I thought that was really good. Yeah, yeah. It was it was very 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 well done. And it, again, it was the first time he was portrayed perennially as as this face, as this good guy, as, you know, the one that, you know, the kids would love and everything else. But he was also extremely scary because he's a massive, massive monster of a human The massive being. man who could drink crates of wine oh. <laughs> and take, well, he, and had take that, a, he had that massive afro, like, in yeah. the early 70s. Oh, yep, yep, yep. Like, and it, it's crazy how he was a baby face, like, early on in his career. And in all honesty, this gets us into what we're talking about. This gets us into where Vince took the WWE to another level when he created WrestleMania. And by the time that like I'm talking about with like Hulk, was that at the Silverdome? Was that, was that the, like, was that one? Well, that, that, that was, that was, the, that was the, the event where Hogan lifted yes. up the stinky giant up over his head yeah. and dropped him on his back. And didn't he like rip all the muscles in his back when he did that? So it was, it was WrestleMania three. And I always mix it up. If it was Silverdome or Superdome, the whole point, the whole point is, 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 is in a yeah, dome. What is yeah, it? Yeah. It's one of the, the big domes. The whole point, my whole point there. Yeah. Was that it was in a, it was in a, I know it was like a place where there was like 93,000 people. people. Yep. But that was that was WrestleMania three, and it was portrayed, even though Big John Stunt had done it before on on other circuits. It was portrayed as the first time that Andre was ever body slammed. So that was like the moment. That's that's like the one big moment in like WrestleMania history that everybody remembers. Is that the first one on pay per view? No, the first one. What they did? Um, or was WrestleMania, WrestleMania one? Was WrestleMania one at Madison? That was at Madison Square Garden, right? Uh, WrestleMania one and two. They were backed by Trump. No shit, I didn't yeah. even know that. Yeah, so he he was uh, the first one to help finance getting WWF and WrestleMania out to uh, like the mainstream uh, like media, I guess you could say, because they did a lot of uh, like CCTVs uh, for for like big house events and stuff like that. But WrestleMania one was the big one. He put all of his eggs in one basket, and if that failed, they would have. Uh, I guess you could say I'm never going to financially recover from this. <laughs> right. Nice reference. Because that was kind of his break off from what yeah. his dad's model was. Yeah. Like he yeah. wanted to go national mm -hmm. and that's what he had to do to make that happen was to get the kid like the back promote that event yeah. and like have that be a success. Mm -hmm. And that's what propelled 
the WWE. Oh, yeah, and it has one of the iconic moments in WWE history. Right. And Superfly Jimmy Snuka. You had Cindy yep. Lauper coming out. I know. And, oh, I, and, the, right. and the reason I know that is, like, when I think of that, I think of that. Was it, like, a promo interview when, uh, like, Mick Foley was going between, like, Mankind and everything? And he talked about, like, what he wanted to be was he wanted to be Jimmy Snuka. And that's when he had the, there's that, like, home video of him jumping off the, like, whatever. It's oh, yeah, really yeah. When yeah. He was I know you're about too. being dude love. Yeah, yeah. okay, yep. And he was dude love and he jumped off to the roof of his house under mm-hmm. the mattress. Under yeah. the mattress on top of <laughs> Yeah, that was when he was, like, in high school. Yeah, and because he said, uh, I forget if he said he was there, but yeah, he said his, the for him, the iconic image is, yeah, Jimmy mm-hmm. Snuka. Just Seeing him off. leap off the top of the cage. Yep. Yep. I, it's a, it is a shame that we're not recording now that we're getting into it because I did wear my uh, Randy Savage sweatshirt. Uh, one thing I do want to say before we get like too, too far into it is that we're going to get a lot of things wrong in this. Yeah, it's and, fine. And we're not going to remember everything and we're going we're gonna to yeah, miss yeah. a lot. What I think is really important is like the emotional connection that comes with these memories. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, like, for sure. Oh, yeah, I totally remember it this way. And even if I get the, the d- details wrong, per se, it's still, you know, part in it's ingrained in you, like the experience, the lived experience. And it's just it's so, so it's individualized. It's individualistic. It's subjective. But it's, yeah, right. it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Of course. You guys are taking a quick intermission break. Feel free to enjoy some intermission music until they return momentarily. So, turn it up. What about our listeners who think it's fucking whack? <laughs> um, what about the people who think it's just an excuse for sweaty men to roll on the ground with each other? I think just, that's oh, a, let me finish. I think it's a great I take. I said a goddamn <laughs> word this whole fucking episode, so it'd be pretty dope if I could Rem, finish a single Rem, thought. Rem, no, get it in. Fin- get it in. All right. So the people who just don't, they don't buy into it. They think it's queer, and um, they think that, you know, obviously the it's whole fake thing. I mean, I can even tell you, it's not fake. You know, the stories are fabricated, but the hits are real. It is what people want. But let's say there's someone who just thinks this shit is fucking stupid and wants to turn off the podcast right now. How do you get them into wrestling? Um, I would say, like, if you're somebody who appreciates good, well, not all the storylines are good, but a lot of them are. Most of them are yeah. shit, but the real good ones are fantastic. Of course. Yeah. Well, I think that could get us into, well, uh, let me, let me uh, uh, piggyback on the, on, the, on the answer real quick. I would say take a step back and look at it like a soap opera. Mm, for sure. Right. I would I would argue that today and maybe within the last 20 years, it's the best soap opera on television. You don't have to sit there and pretend that you're buying in saying, oh, this is absolutely real because it's not. It's it's a it's a fabrication. It's a story that you're following. There's psychology that comes along with it, whether you're developing a story in the ring or a long term long term story over over a period of time. You're you're taking a step back. It's it's drama. It's it's comedy. It's everything. You're 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 taking a step back and, and looking at it. If you convince yourself that it's real, there is something wrong. But you're enjoying it. You know the reason I bring it up is because I'm I'm the odd man out here, just like Willing. You guys are passionate. You know, do your thing. I didn't grow up really appreciating it. I thought I got I got to an age when I was younger where I was like, this shit's corny. You know, and I I think that that's like you know kids hit an age when they're like Disney's corny. They're not necessarily right about that. 
So for me, it was strange. And I only found it later. It was working with a lot of you guys and uh, our buddy Jamie, who was supposed to be here, but fuck him. I love you, buddy. But like, I realized how much you guys enjoyed it. And I found that intriguing as a dude. Cause it's like, okay, well, you know, what am I missing? And like, that's how they were sold to me. Um, soap opera. And mm-hmm. you know, I, I, that pulled me in and then I got it. Mm-hmm. I got it. I, I didn't immediately get tattoos of, you know, uh, anyone on me? I, my well, my Ric Flair back tattoo. No one's actually seen it, but um, and no one talks about you. Does he have the full robe? Ass. Is he wearing the full robe? <laughs> that is his. Yeah, that is his nature boy robe. Um, but yeah, I feel like you know that that's a good sell. And 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 so the other thing I wanted to ask is, it can be it's very accessible, but not accessible to people new to it. So. What's a good starting point to not be overwhelmed by it or to come in? What's a good, is there an error that's particularly good for noobs or, um, or how would you sell? Let's say, okay, I'm going to start watching wrestling now. I'm going to watch it now. What should I be watching it? In, in my opinion, I think we can all kind of talk about it. So in my opinion, I mean, obviously I, it's not going to be just ECW, but you, I think going back to the early nineties is a good place to start regardless, because that's when Ted Turner had bought out, and he essentially he formed WCW. He had his foundation. It hadn't exploded yet, like it did. Hmm. In, but wasn't it in problematic? Mid- like a lot of the '90s wrestling, I remember are girls kissing on the mouth and taking off each other's clothes well, with very little wrestling yeah. skill. You're thinking Monday Night Raw in the like '98, yeah, '99. That was, that, yeah, I'm a right. layman, so that's right. what I mean. Help, help yeah. me know. I'm talking it, 1992 when literally a storyline was was it between Ric Flair, Macho Man, and Miss Elizabeth. Like well, where, where it was, uh, who or whoever I forget who it was, but like they were doctoring images and making it look like she was cheating on because because his his uh his promoter they were married like yeah. Miss Elizabeth and him were married in real life yeah. right right um and they would it was just a storyline leading up to and I don't I forget if it was WrestleMania or what the event was but it it was like a it was a great thing it was a great storyline for as a like a nine year old kid mm-hmm. nice yeah well I feel to answer Rem's question like if you just you can break into wrestling at any time because the storylines just build so like. You don't have to know necessarily like everything that happened fucking five weeks and or it's, it's, three months before yeah. because like yeah they will they constantly update you on things as you move forward so you you kind of learn the backstory as you're learning more of the story as it's unfolding. Uh, I want to read it's a readable story. That's the right, thing I have to right, say right, about right, the writers right, and performers right. is you can jump in and be like oh this guy's a dickhead this guy's yeah, a good guy yeah. everything's I, everything's kind of cookie cutted for you yeah yeah, so yeah. You know okay cool i mean that, that's that's the question because there, there are going to be people who don't necessarily aren't as passionate as you guys listening and you know i think that's the thing is have your shit like i think it's awesome that people have their shit and i think that but again I, just for the people who are like no not for me because i'll be honest with you I thought it was not for me. And then like, once I started getting into it, you know, smoking a bowl and watching wrestling is its own reward. <laughs> it is. It's fucking hilarious. It's um, a different thing. And the sportsmanship's remarkable. I mean, I know that, you know, you see it now, but, but yeah, no, I just wanted to speak for the few people who might be thinking that hearing it, not to, not to say that I'm necessarily them, but I understand them. I want to, and this is, this understand. would be my counter to, to, to what kind of, kind of what you, what you're saying, Rema. So in 2009, and I've talked about him on here before, and and I can always reach out to him to see if he wants to come on. But I uh, I'm friends with uh, mixed martial artist Joe Lozon. Oh right, yeah. right, right, right. And when he was still living with his parents, 2009, about two years after he broke, and he was he was he was making he was very successful, and he was someone that Dana White really wanted to really wanted to push because hmm. it was I mean it's a great story. He's someone with a college degree who gave up their livelihood to be a mixed martial artist, like. That that's kind of like, and he was like, yeah, I want to, I want to go that angle. But 
he invited um, my friend, a mutual friend of us to his house. Like, oh, we're having a party. It's great. And it was basically us and like 35 mixed martial artists guys. Hmm. And the one I had many That's takeaways. Hot. I had many takeaways. First takeaway, they don't do drugs or alcohol. Yeah. 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 So he, he was on the ultimate fighter. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah. He was on the reality show where uh, Jens Pulver, who he beat in his mm -hmm. first match. Was one of the coaches and BJ Penn was, was he on, was he on like and, a like a, a, a like a like a similar season as Forrest Griffin like early on? Yeah, yeah. Can I, I ask you a question? <laughs> so, so what do thirty five ripped men do at a party? That's what yeah. I was getting. Thank you, Rem. That's what I was getting into. So uh, they took turns waterboarding each other, uh -huh. and then that's hot. It culminated. It culminated, and this is again with the episode we're doing here. It culminated with two guys reenacting. Present British Bulldog SummerSlam '92. Oh no! Shit. And and you know what? They actually did it perfectly. Some gay shit. They actually did it perfectly. <laughs> Some gay perfectly. Shit. Oh, the uh, uh, the man. Bret Hart and Bulldog over in Wembley State. Yes, they reenacted that. There's that actually happened. it's funny that you say that, Rem, because there's uh there's like these great fucking like YouTube compilations where people put together like these just crazy obligatory like gay references like that wrestlers do when they do their cut their promos and yeah. shit. And it's fucking fantastic. I actually. <laughs> Just I don't know. I'll get, let you guys get back to it. Botcha mania is amazing. That's great stuff. Yeah, I was. I, that was another thing I found later in life, and I'm just like, it, it, yeah, that's a different story. I apologize. All right, continue, sir. Speaking of, you know that bulldog was blacked out that entire match, right? Was he? Was he? Yeah. On what? Some sort of pills. I don't know the specifics of it, but he was a, a hardcore drug addict. Oh yeah. Well, it wasn't Dynamite Kid like both of them? Yeah. They yeah. Were, like, yeah. Fucking so how did he not? Fuck, it was so rehearsed. Because his muscles did what they had to do. Muscle they kept memory. Kept, kept oh, no standing. Shit. But Bret Hart, he says uh, in, in, in a memoir, and then he's talked about it in a couple um, interviews, saying that that was probably one of the best accomplishments of his life. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Because in front of the sold-out Wembley Stadium. His home crowd. Pay-per-view. Yeah, Bulldog's home crowd. He's from England. Bret Hart ended up putting him over, putting on the equivalency of like a five-star match. Yeah. No, no problems whatsoever. And their brother-in-laws. Mm -hmm. Yeah, brother-in-laws. Messed, whole messed up. And that was part of the storyline, by the way. Mm. Like yeah. the sister torn between her brother and her husband. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. yeah, it's fun, yeah. man. Masterful stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, it's fun. It's it, for the theater. For like the theater of that stuff, it's very captivating mm -hmm. because the, because literally they're 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 filming the match, and every now and then they're panning to her, and she's a part of she's a part of the performance too. Oh, yep, and she yep. has these looks of worry and concern, mm -hmm. and she's conflicted and all that. And then afterwards, she she's embracing her husband because her husband won. And then it's about reconciling with her brother and and like them reconciling and the crowd going wild because it's mm -hmm. like, wow. By the way, this episode mm -hmm. would have been amazing to film because you can see our breath. <laughs> yeah, I'm shivering. Well, well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I can always I can, can always turn it on. Shivering. I can always turn it on. But I, but literally, we would just all have to like scoot together yeah, know, to get I, to get to I, see I it. Yeah. And I, I can. Like I, I can. But do it's it. kind of funny because yeah. like we don't people don't realize because we sound so. Yeah. No, we're suffering for this. No, we're wrestlers. Yeah. We're suffering for our art. Right? That's we are good. wrestlers. That's, that's no, good. No, I want to make that's a point, good. too, before I forget this, because I probably will. Another thing that got me interested in wrestling, as stupid as this is going to seem, is, you know, I'm a 90s kid. You guys are 90s kid. That, that music's huge to us. When Billy Corgan stopped making music for a while, he wrote for wrestling. Really? I didn't even know that. Yeah, no that's, what that's what I'm saying. He started writing, and I'm like, this is one of my favorite writers. The, the lyrics this guy writes... And then to find out that Billy Corgan, like, wee, 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 is writing amazing, like you said, the storylines you're talking about, yeah. though, where it's just really compelling shit. And so that was one of the first things that I found out about. And then it parlayed into meeting you guys and being like, oh, this is remarkable. It's very rock and roll. And another thing, like, yeah, it's pageantry. That's, that is what it is. Mm -hmm. For real. But it, my mm -hmm. God, is it masterful pageantry. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. But yeah, I wanted to bring that up because that, to me, I was like, 
wait, I consider myself like a cool energy musician-y guy. And like Billy Corgan's writing wrestling. What's this wrestling you're talking about? <laughs> and and for me, kind of, it's performance bring, art is what it is. Yeah, yeah. And for me, kind of bringing it back, I mean, the, I think that the early 90s is when we start to see a shift. Because in my opinion, like Vince's pro, his promotion was starting to wane a little bit. Like, because like it was just like you were continuing from the 80s kind of storylines and all that. And it was it was getting stale. Mm-hmm. And so and. I think obviously Ted Turner, well, Ted Turner's rich. So he's like, oh, I'm just going to throw all the money I can right, at right. my promotion. And he's like, and then basically he, he just stole, he poached. He's mm-hmm. That's it started. He poached, he poached and he poached. Uh, he, and then, but when it really took off is when he started to poach, like Hulk Hogan, Kevin Nash. And then well, that was, yeah, that was basically those guys came over and that was, mm-hmm. that was crazy because like when those guys came in, like y- you were still at the transition period where still a lot of people were still kind of under the guise of yep. like wrestling may, maybe not fake, maybe yep. not real, like still kind of a misconception there. So like when those guys came in and kind of took over that show, that was like a huge, crazy storyline. These Talks guys about wrestling too. And people saying it's not real. I'm sorry. I got to throw in what I know. We talked about this beforehand. I'm a 12-year-old kid at my grandmother's house, okay? I'm at home. I'm, at my, I'm sorry. I'm at my grandmother's with my family, and we're all watching this 60 Minutes interview where John Stossel is backstage, and he's addressing a wrestler, but I don't know who the wrestler was. You guys might know. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, who? Was it Dr. Death? No? I don't see. I don't know well enough. Big, scary, blonde guy. And he just straight fucks him up. It terrified me. Oh, it might have been Sid. I... Yeah, I know exactly. Yeah, I, I, it, it wasn't Sid. It was um, it wasn't Doctor Death. Now, did he sm- he smacked him by the ear? Yeah, he he cuffed him like he had like that cupped hand, and he hit him right in the ear, and he almost deafened him. He bear palmed yeah. him on the side of the head. Yeah, and then he like falls on the ground. And you can tell he's trying to crawl away, and he whacks him again. And don't you dare tell me this is fake. Does <laughs> yeah, this feel fake it, to you? It was absolutely terrifying to watch. And, and so I think you know, and I know there were a few different instances like that. We had talked about Richard Belzer and. Hulk Hogan. There were moments when the fourth wall was broken for mm. people who were fans or not fans where it was like, so what I wanted to ask you, and I know you guys had talked about this, but I was a little out of the loop. The, the, let's just do it if you guys haven't. Wrestling isn't real. Let me just be the asshole. Let's talk about, let's you guys talk about. All right, can I devil's advocate his point first? So when, so when another wrestler, when wrestlers, because they, they do try to work on the maneuvers so that they don't hurt each other. Yeah, they call, they call when, them spots. Yeah, but when one fucks up and breaks the other one's shoulder bone. Is it real then, or is it fake? Is it fake when you have a broken bones? Oh, I know. Don't like, do, that, don't that, do know, the thing know, like you're hitting John Stossel. Fucking relax. <laughs> I know it's real. Yeah. But you got to understand the people who've heard that argument are kind of yeah. like, fuck off, I've heard it a million yeah. times. Because they don't realize the actual athleticism that goes in, in, involved in it. That's yeah. it. That's what I, and I, I don't know if people know that, is the storylines, whatever. But you got to understand, when a fucking 300-pound guy is jumping 12 feet in the air and landing on another 300-pound guy, you can't fake that. Of course. They know how to soften hits and take blows, but yeah. they're stuntmen. Yeah, they that, well, that, that's a great that's a great opening. So you know, talk about the difference, I guess, between the parts that are and the parts that aren't. But I agree with you 100. percent I've seen yeah. what these guys do. Like the Logan think about Paul think matches. about like somebody like say somebody in Hollywood who's an incredible stunt actor, right? And Tom take, Cruise. Yeah, whatever. Take that and then have them have like great mic skills, and then you have. A wrestler, yeah, right there, you know, yeah, because that's what makes a wrestler: great quality mic skills and great athleticism. 
you might as well just it say triggered Bob. <laughs> <laughs> but that was, but that, no, because that that honestly that leads me into like someone like Mark Henry. Mark Henry loved him. Everyone yeah. loved him. He was so powerful. But everyone, all the wrestlers, hated working with him yeah. because he oh, he was like he was sloppy. He was sloppy, and, and he sometimes I, he hurt people. Well, and sometimes throw the ball back to, to Matt for a Go. sec. Um, it's just not for everybody, and that's okay. And I think that used to trigger people a lot more used before. To. No, but I'm saying like people like they used to trigger people a lot, but it doesn't so much anymore because like we, we realize we real, we realize that it's theater. It's 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 athletic theater. Some of the, sorry sorry, but these men are some of the best athletes in the yes. world. What it is remarkable. Mm-hmm. Like so I, no, and I stand in that, but I and I understand. I'm kind of glad Bob was kind of pissed by it because that is the reaction you'll get from a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Matt, you're more of a listen, man. You don't have to insult it, but you don't have to fucking don't fuck with it if it's not your dad. I think I'd just like to jump in here, a complete sidebar, and just let people know that we are now filming. And yeah, oh, sweet. people can see. How that it's cold as fuck. I can see how sexy we are. Yeah, I can right see there. how sexy our breath is too. Matt like had a moment. Where I thought, <laughs> yeah, I thought it might yeah. have been a grand. Matt had the shivers. It's fine. We're I just going to look at my hand and I'm like, and, and you shouldn't be just, doing this indoors. Just in case anyone's wondering, Matt brought Steve oh. Austin's beer. Yes, he brought Steve Austin's beer here. Steve, uh, Steve, don't don't kick my ass. Giving you a give me a shameless plug. <laughs> we're we're not going to be smashing this over our heads today. It's a little too cold. And who do you think is a perfect athlete, a perfect wrestler to show to people? Who think it's fake? Watch this guy for five minutes. Well, how about Mick Foley? Oh yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Come on, yeah. That, that, you can't. <laughs> and, that's, that, that's, and I just say that's low hanging fruit. Is Mick yeah. Foley? But it's the epitome yeah, of that. The tastiest fruit. Of yeah, the it no. is. It is. I was yeah. actually gonna say, bef- like pre, like him fucking up his body, Matt Hardy. Mm-hmm. Matt Hardy would have been a good because when he was when he before his body, he was like he he took those risks. Like this may this may put me in the hospital, but what it's gonna do. To what it's going to do for the entertainment? Like to add on great. that, Jeff Hardy was was also ridiculous yes. doing. Oh like yeah, the Hardy, yeah, the Hardys, the Hardy yeah. off 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 yeah. of the ladder. One of the greatest things I thought was when, like, you would see Shane McMahon just taking go, it for the team, <laughs> go crazy out on these, in these hardcore matches that he would have with these, you know, wrestlers throughout the years. I see them. He jumps, he jumps. And like that motherfucker is like feet. a privileged, a privileged white man. Yep. Just doesn't have to do this shit. And he's fucking diving Doing off a fucking the... scaffolding. Jamie showed me for matches. Like, he's like, this dude does a bunch of coke. It comes on every once in a while. <laughs> and does shit that other people would die doing. Yes. That's true. Is why he that's a good, do that's a good way to put it. And, and this guy, he's, you know, he's the son, he's the son of the president of he's the company that, in the and there was wrestlers yep. that wouldn't do things that he was doing so i, I mean that's such an example that is great yeah that's, yeah, that's that, an example that's yeah. and so there's there is let me say a true element of punk rock to wrestling despite how mainstream mm-hmm. it's gone because these dudes are mm. i mean what about that what what Gene Zambrosia, that dude who wears oh, jeans. Dean Ambrose? <laughs> Dean Ambrose. Gene Zambrosia? Gene Zambrosia? That was great. Um, <laughs> like, imagine fighting. Imagine guys our size fighting and you're wearing jeans. Like Gene's Ambrose. Jeans beat. John Cena. <laughs> oh, Steve but it's like, that's what I well, mean. you couldn't yeah. see him anyway. So. Oh, but well played. Si- well played. <laughs> just simple shit, though, like that is. And I think that's where over time I was like, I see mm. you, motherfuckers. You know what I mean? Even as someone who wasn't a fan, it's like, Holy fuck! The Mick the Mick Foley stuff's a great example where 
it, it watching the specials where they zoom in on his children in the audience. oh yeah, oh, yeah the dark like horrified the, yeah like the dark uh, the dark side of the ring yes, yes yeah yes, yes, god yes. that yeah. show's remarkable well he, they were ringside when he fucking when the taker oh, chokes them through the cage and the hell in the I cell know, like they, they were there uh, Matt, that Matt and I day. talked about it and we both agreed that's probably Jim Ross Jim Ross's signature call oh fuck. yeah oh by god that man has a family yeah 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 just oh, my, my god, god my god it killed him. <laughs> By God is my witness. He is broken in half. That oh man is dead. He was 40% had a chance of being right. Uh, he did. He did. Yeah. Yeah. He had a 40% chance of like You're right. him so, being dead. So even the call being great, either way, it was history was made. So that, I think, that, I think man, uh, one of that man's tooth went through his, fucking went through yeah. his nose. It yep. was like hanging out of his nose. Yeah, and and honestly, it so the scripting and the the fakeness or whatever of it stopped. Mm. It stopped when he hit that table. Yeah. So, so I think was it more McFoley or was it Undertaker and McFoley pitching these ideas about the Hell in the Cell it to was, Vince? Uh, it was more so an agreement that they had between themselves. Yeah. To not tell Vince. Mm. Well, I thought I thought um I thought so, I thought so, I heard this from Mick that they they brought it to Vince and he, he was thinking about it and he was kind of like and then ultimately he said no. Vince approved them to go on top of the cage. He, and that's yeah. what that was a compromise. Yeah. They yeah. did not. He wasn't supposed to, to go he wasn't supposed to go like through the oh, cage. I, I agree. Yeah, he wasn't I agree supposed that. supposed to go through that. Cage and either. and ultimately like Vince even said we we would have to refortify the roof. You guys mm. can go up there but be careful because yeah. we we have so when you see them like falling through like that's real because oh, the, because the cage is not bent for that. But essentially yeah, they they basically and made I'm, an unofficial agreement. And I'm pretty and sure Mick said, hey, do choke it. slam yeah. me through the fucking top of yep. this cage. Yeah, he said it's gonna, it's, it's loose and it's going to break three and I'm going to fucking fall through through the mat. Yep. And so what <laughs> happened, so for everyone who can now see and, and yeah. hear us, uh, but what happened is they gave, basically Mick gave the Undertaker a look, like throw me. Mm. And and he's like, okay. And he throws him off this. And it's legit, what, like 20, 25 feet oh, yeah. Right through the, the announce table. Yeah. Uh, the, the poor Spanish announce. That's always the it's Spanish always, announce it's table. Always, it's always. Yeah. So anyway, Mick Foley goes through this table and he says, he says he went unconscious. He went unconscious. He does not remember. He separated his shoulder. Mm. Clearly has a concussion. And at that point, like crowds going nuts. It's fantastic. Undertaker, who never breaks character, is just being himself. And then all of a sudden you see like Terry Funk, his good friend and another legend in wrestling come out because he's like like you see like people other referees coming people are coming out and then vince comes out and that's when you're like watching it and you're like oh this is like this is this I'm is watching history this is not this was not uh this was not planned right right yeah right. that's like the scenario where throwing up the x was created yes. essentially <laughs> and then um basically in in hindsight when people ask mick foley he doesn't remember the he doesn't really rem remember the re he doesn't remember getting put on the stretcher he doesn't remember fighting with terry funk and fighting for people to get back there or telling his daughter that he's like gonna be all right even though he's like, fucked like, yeah right, right, yeah right. yeah and then yeah they go he climbed i don't know how he climbed back up on that cage with basically one arm adrenaline yeah and and That's and um they get back up there he brought a chair with him and he's like hitting the undertaker and then yeah they they go for like the choke slam and that he it wasn't planned that the chair was going to be a part of it and he said if the chair opened up he's dead like he, it would have killed him. Oh right, but, right, but, right. But instead, he landed on the chair. He he gets knocked out again, and that's when we get the iconic scene of like the tooth hanging in his beard, because mm -hmm. it went like literally like it went like he opened yeah, he a swallowed gash. it and went through yeah. his nasal no, cavity. It makes sense. You, yep. With the hit, you can understand how it happened, but yep. it's still like holy shit. And in all honesty, it's not. That moment he goes off the cage and the choke slam is all there is to that match. Mm -hmm. Other than that, it's really a nothing. Like as far as Hell in the Cells go. The one between Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker is way, just start to finish, it's way better of a match. But Both of them. Yeah, but I'm talking about like the one where Kane, like the introduction no, of I'm Kane. both. 
WrestleMania matches with uh, Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker. Oh, well, it's because it's Shawn Michaels. I mean, I, he's not my favorite wrestler, but I acknowledge that. You yes, know what? He's, he's, he is. He's, 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 there's yeah, a reason he, why he trains all of the wrestlers exactly. right now. Like, he's iconic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, can I make a quick aside that may be potentially for a reel right now? What? You guys are all talking about wrestling. The way I'm facing you, I look like a fucking Muppet. <laughs> Well, that's fine. Like video, it's great. That's it's fine. Great on video. That's like, fine. I, they don't. You see know what? It, like, it's just <laughs> the Cookie Monster. Well, you know what? Now everyone, now you guys all know what it looks like when three guys talk about wrestling with Fraggle Rock. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Oh, yeah, I like cookies. Is it okay if I bring it back to something? Because I think this is really important. Because I stopped watching wrestling. From probably like ninety five to like ninety seven, ninety eight. Why? It, because it it was stale to me. It, it was stale. Like mm -hmm. the WWE was stale, and yeah, the NWO was like a cool thing. And I know my friends would watch and all that, and I'd watch a little bit, and I'd be like, eh, but it's really not my thing. Yeah, I I can tell you, it was a Saturday in a February in nineteen ninety six or nineteen ninety seven, and my brother, who was he's three years older than me, so he was probably like six, like sixteen, seventeen. So I'm like thirteen, fourteen years old, and he stumbles upon it three in the morning, ECW. And my first images of this were the Sandman yeah. coming out of the crowd, pounding a beer, chain smoking a cigarette. Uh, he comes out to answer Sandman, obviously, and he has a bamboo yeah, stick. Yeah. And he's got a bamboo stick of that course. he will hit himself in the head with and then allow people to hit him with it. Nice. Um, later on, there's someone cutting a promo who's fighting Al Snow. Mm -hmm. And Al Snow was this guy. He had a mannequin head, mm -hmm. and he named Head on oh, it. Oh, I know. I remember. And, I remember this. And, but as in, much as I'm not as versed. But in ECW, everybody brought mannequin heads, like oh, yeah. those white styrofoam heads. Yeah, yeah. And he was talking shit about it. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the whole crowd, 2,500 people, just pull out these heads, and the heads are going nuts. And then Al Snow comes out of nowhere. And then next thing you know, like the the stage is getting pelted with these things. And I'm like. What the fuck have we found here? This is like amazing. <laughs> this is amazing. And, and, and ultimately yeah. what we found was extreme championship wrestling. Right, right. Is that when shit got bloody? Well, yeah. That, yeah. Was, that was the immersion of like the first, yeah. like uh, I would say, promotion that started to semi-compete with the WWF. Yeah. You mm -hmm. know? And was the bloodiness, I could be wrong here, you know, I'm just, I'm trying, but... Um, is the violence that sort of became a little more prominent with blood and stuff, was that a direct result of... Some of the Asian Backlands. wrestling leagues. Yeah, I'm curious if it's a result of anything or it just became because everything in the 90s was more extreme. So let's go back to, was it was it 1997 or 1998, mm -hmm. the mass transit incident? Oh, yeah. I thought Even it was a I know earlier. about this. It, or 96. I thought, it was, it was, like, 90, I thought it was like 95, 96. It was, it was 96 because the first pay-per-view was going to be in 97. Can you? Okay. Could you potentially cut in footage? I think I'd have to worry about copyright to okay, all that yeah, stuff. Yeah. I mean, but I know anyway. every now and then Rem's like, we need to play this song. And I'm like, but I don't have the royalty. I don't pay royalties to it. <laughs> so I'll do I can't. Cover. Yeah, but I, to be fair, I can't. that's not exactly footage I ever want to watch. Again. So right, for everyone right, here, right. it actually happened. We're, we're all in Massachusetts. It's this appalling. actually, this actually happened in Revere. It happened, Revere, Mass. It happened in Revere, Massachusetts. Matt, you, I have a good grasp of it, but what's the back? Wasn't it like his, the backup to the backup that was going to take on new Jack? Like, and he was the backed son out? of somebody, right? So I'm, I'm not, extremely well-versed what i do okay. know is that he was uh billed as like you know local jobber basically oh no I'm, I'm talking even before that like like new jack was supposed to fight somebody they had to drop off the card yeah, yeah and then yeah, yeah. there was the, the backup had to drop off the card and it's kind of like well we're stuck is there is there basically anybody and here basically this guy training? came with his 20 no no his 17 year old 17. son and said he was 21 he had fake ids he said he had uh trained under killer kowalski and so, and like, now granted, like you, you've said to me, like shame on the promoter for not doing their due diligence, but like, okay. And yeah, this, 
this 17 year old was like 350 pounds. He was, he didn't, he didn't necessarily look like a 17 year old, but acted like, one. yeah. And they, and they asked him what his angle was. And he basically, and this is for anybody who lives around here. He basically dressed like an MBTA worker, which is the, that's the subway <laughs> system for Massachusetts. And he's called himself the mass transit. And it's kind of brilliant angle. Sorry, and now let's get now behind the scenes. Cause I I've, I've watched things where wrestlers who were there, <clears throat> they said he, he came in and he was acting like he was King shit and it rubbed them the wrong way. Cause there's an, there's an etiquette. You're, you're, you're a new guy. We don't even know who you are. Like, introduced one of the craziest yeah. wrestlers not, in the ring. No, not just that. No, kid. no, not just that. Not just that. He went up to New Jack. And for anyone who doesn't know, as Matt, Matt would say, uh, there are times in New Jack's career where he has, he has prop, he, not probably, he has tried to kill other wrestlers. <laughs> he has tried <laughs> to. Did he smoke angel dust? He probably did. I mean. It, I, I wouldn't put it past. But him. anyway, this young man went up to him and he asked him if he could blade him. Blading, by the way. So you ask. I'll show you. You ask, what, So so yeah. <laughs> Remy asked like basically basically what blading is is when you make yourself bleed and what the, the typical like trade thing was is you'd hide it under your your tape. And you'd, you'd, bleeding you'd hide a, you'd hide like a razor great. blade and then when nobody would have the attention you would kind of get it out and you would do like a quick a quick well, like that you fall out of the ring to the floor. Yeah you know, yeah and, and, and it's a razor blade because it's so sharp and it leaves such a fine yeah. cut that it heals yeah. very and, quickly. And for anyone doesn't know head wounds head wounds bleed. Like head wounds bleed a lot, so, and but the one thing you the one thing you never do is you never ask somebody to blade you. You blade mm. yourself. Yeah, and and of all you never you would never ask someone like New Jack. <laughs> you would never ask anyone a like New Jack. Thug. So anyway, the match the match goes on. It's a tag team match. It's really just a shit show. Him and another wrestler they go out. They're out in the crowd and they're wrestling. And New Jack is in this is in this in the ring. And when he would come to the ring, he would come to the ring with trash cans filled with weapons. Mm -hmm. Like his always. iconic thing was he would always break a, a an acoustic guitar over someone's head. <laughs> Like that was his, and it was filled with powder. And, and he'd do this thing where he would like rockabilly, like he was playing it and then he just nail you it. So anyway, he's doing all this crazy shit. And then out of nowhere, he, I believe he pulls out an exacto, like, uh, he pulls out like a, um, like a box cutter, not, not like a razor. He pulls out the box cutter, which is like a Trigger razor blade, warning for people that don't he's like a, which is like a razor blade this big. <laughs> he stands over this guy and he starts gouging into his head, this kid. And he's gouging yeah, into his, kid. He's, he's gouging this kid. This kid is legit. Like letting out those blood curdling screams. His father runs to the stage and is yelling, he's, he's a minor, 17. he's a minor, he's mine, all this. And next thing you know, like things stop, but New Jack doesn't. No. And by the way, it's very hard to find this footage. All you can find is when the paramedics come into the ring. That's the footage. Like you can see the blood gushing out of his head and the paramedics are applying. It when it had like it, holding the kid's head to just cut his straight fucking gashing brain him up. out. Yeah. And, and the paramedics are working on them. And at one point, New Jack grabs a microphone and he's standing over the paramedics and he's straddling the kid. And he turns to the crowd and he's like, oh, he's only 17. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> and like, fuck and just off. gets out of the ring like that. So the reason that I bring that, that up for a lot of reasons, but so ECW was about to get their first pay-per-view. Okay. That is a huge deal. This father and his son, they brought criminal charges against New Jack and they brought civil charges against ECW. Even though they they raised the hand to go and, in the ring, yeah. And because of that, pay-per-view said, nah, you have to figure that out yeah, first. Yeah, they're not going to touch them yeah. at that point. And 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 it's and it goes beyond just losing a pay-per-view. That that could have folded ECW. Like it was on the oh, verge. Yeah, that like was scary, man. Yeah. And ultimately in a Massachusetts court, the court found that they were fraudulent in what they presented, so they brought it on themselves. Yeah, mm. no, I agree. You, you lied. In on the court. civil and the criminal against New Jack. Wow. Did they see the footage? Though? Yeah. God damn. Well, with New Jack, I think of two other specific incidences. One, again, uh, small, small uh, auditorium or whatnot, going up against a nobody. Pulls out a knife from his cargo pants, stabs him 16, 17 times in the middle of the ring, and was okay with it. 
thinking this is normal. Yeah. I'm a normal human being. He was a bad. He was a bad you can, man. You can watch that. He was that, a bad. That man. is on YouTube. Yeah, he was a bad man. I don't know. What to, wow, he was just, just he in just, the middle of a match. It might have been a hard, might have been a hardcore mm-hmm. match. I don't know, yep. but everything was a hardcore match with this man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah right? Of course. Yeah, Just reaches into his cargo pants, pulls out a knife, and just stabs his opponent like 16, 17. You know where I go, Matt? Oh, he he used like not the whole blade, right? But even so, even but it even so, it was, just, it was even like shanking so. just over yeah. and over and over mm-hmm. again. And the I, guy's trying okay. to like crawl away, get away from him, and he's just stabbing him. How did okay? So how did another stupid question? How did he not get in trouble for that? Uh, I'm sure he did. Yeah. So Matt, I would hope the man pressed charges at that yeah. point. So the the oh. one the one I go to is that sca- is the scaffold. The match. scaffolding. Yeah. yeah. So so basically, it was, like it was six stories of scaffolding. Scaffolding set up. This is six the stories thought, in there. Yeah, that I heard and about. and the uh, who did, who was he seen. fighting in that one? I don't remember his name, but it was a big boy. Yeah. And the guy basically oh, the, said was the uh, the Colorado kid. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> no, they they had heat going Axel back and Rutten. forth. Axel Rotten, yeah. Balls Mahoney, wasn't that? Who oh, it was? I think it was. Axel. I think Mahoney. it was. Yeah, I he think yeah. With a deep cut. Yeah, but uh, but he afterwards he said like there was a point where the the whole point was you were supposed to break each other through the scaffolding because it's tables. It's those tables that just break and easily. He just threw and him. once yeah, and once you go through a certain amount of tables, you win the match. But at one point, there there are six there's sixty feet above the the floor, mm-hmm. and he said he was trying to throw him off sixty feet. After he tased him, yeah, which wasn't planned yeah. ahead, it wasn't a yeah. spot. He went rogue a lot. Oh, I'm not going yeah. home to watch all these guys' matches. Yeah. What are you talking yeah. about? That's and, not gonna happen. And I'm glad we we kind of brought that up because wow, that that's that is as extreme as ECW got. But there were a lot of things that ECW but not in did. A good way. No, no, not in a good way. But so wait, but what? is any publicity bad publicity? It's called yeah, yeah. Earn, earned uh, yeah. earned publicity. When yeah. did New Jack stop? What or made him stop? When he retired. Oh, no, actually, yeah. when he died, because he died like two, three years ago. Yeah, two years last year or the yeah. year before. And he would come on and do shoot interviews yeah. about fucking wrestlers yep. he wrestled with and talk shit about them. Yes. Wow. Yep. Wow. Yep. So anyway, yeah, I, that's, th- that's what uh, it's called going into business. Yep. For yourself. Yeah. Holy. So shit. yeah, business for yourself. ECW brought me brought me back because ECW, I I believe, changed the game of wrestling, and it I don't I think it does now get a lot of credit for it, but in the moment it didn't. Like the fact that like the Attitude Era. Would the Attitude Era have happened without ECW? The, the influence of ECW and, and the wrestlers no. and the wrestlers that came from ECW. Yeah, no, that I think that's what kind of like that was a spark for it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like if you think of because most people it would even be like if they don't know enough about ECW, if they went on YouTube right now and you were watching things, you're like, oh hey, that's that's uh that's Raven. I didn't know he was in ECW. Mm-hmm. Or oh, I didn't like take your take your pick. Oh oh, Rob Jericho, Van Chris, Rob Van Dam, Chris Jericho. Like I didn't know these guys because it's like the it was it was also a wrestling promotion where guys had bounced around and maybe they just couldn't catch on. But it was for the outcasts, and right, this right. is where they could catch on. Yeah. And there were enough there were enough veterans that I think I, I really truly think like New Jack aside, there were enough veterans who were willing to do extreme but take you under their wing. Right, and it was really like a fraternity. And there were a lot of times. Because it was a financially strapped promotion that, I'm like, they, they wrestled for free. No, and I think that that's a kudo to them. You're thinking of the Four Corners match, huh? No, no, you don't know remember the leather strap. Th- th- this is how insane I am. <laughs> I want to be like, oh, guys, again, if you're just tuning in, we're not on cocaine. <laughs> We're just trying to keep warm. Sorry, I had to. Like, well, uh, maybe I'm I am so... a cocaine, but I. But uh, you know what? If I am, it's a lot warmer for me. Okay. <laughs> uh, I just had to say that because you're like, damn, these motherfuckers today. No, we're passionate and freezing. That's all.
Yeah, um, but a lot of those guys, they only they went one speed and they knew one style. Right. And that style lasted for a little while and it was nice. But if you can't grow with the times and you can't grow mm-hmm. with a new promotion and you can only do like that, you know, one trick pony kind of thing, yep. that's great for that circus. But like you once got. you leave there, I mean, you're not left in the dust. You just didn't grow with the game. And that's why that's why wrestlers like Rob Van Dam and that's why Jericho and Ray, that's why because they they were they had depth like they had depth. They were complex. They, mm-hmm. they had more going on and they grew. Um, it's also a place where one of I think a criminally underrated wrestler. Uh, I know his career and his life was cut short where he, he kind of got his kickstart again because he wasn't there for very long, but Pl- Brian Pillman, Brian, Pil- I, that promo he cut where the lights go out, the oh, lights go with, out. With Steve Austin yeah, coming to his house. And, um, yeah. Oh no, before that one. And I did want to talk about that one because that okay. one is wild. That one's wild for yeah. the fact that it was on USA. For sure. Live. <laughs> yeah. Live. He pulled a gun. Live. He pulled a gun on Steve Austin. I've seen that. Like, and I've it's like, seen that and then it cuts away and it's like, yep. it may be theater, but that's still kind of fucked up. Yeah, but, but at like, the time though, yeah. that was like, did Steve Austin know? Did he know that he was going to pull a gun? Uh, yeah. He yeah I, he I was going to say, know. because Brian Pillman, know. Brian Pillman was also a loose cannon too. They were, I think they I were the Hollywood blondes together. Yeah. I think I have an ECW question I want to ask. I might be wrong. So again, sitting in my friend's house. Hi, it's the nineties, the late nineties, maybe early aughts. And Goldberg is just fucking destroying a limo and he's shredding his actual veins and blood's going everywhere. And he's literally destroying this fucking limo. And what the hell happened there? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? That was WWE, wasn't it? It was supposed to be a breakaway window in the limo and it wasn't. And he fucking literally. And it's a white limo. I keep moving the mic. I apologize. It's a, it's a white. Yeah, it's crazy. You got, and it could have been know. just one of those things, but I found out, and he needed like 150 stitches on both of his it, arms. It makes me think uh, it was probably WCW. Okay, it was probably mm-hmm. like 97. That's what feels like. Yeah, it's my boy's basement. I was like, that's was real. When, was it was when he was Goldust or Dustin when he wrestled. No, 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 Goldberg. Goldberg. Oh, Goldberg. Bill, sorry, Bill Goldberg. Yeah, yeah. I'm like thinking Goldust. Sorry, yeah, yeah, I don't know why I'm thinking like, Goldberg. I'll break no, that. It was like on that run where Goldberg like. Came in, and he had like that hundred and I was gonna say the streak, win the streak. Yeah, streak. I mean, the limo just makes me think it had to have been like Kevin Nash or Hulk Hogan mm. or Hollywood mm. Hogan, I would say at the time. Yeah, I'm surprised that I actually like somehow, yeah, but I caught that. Check that out if mm-hmm. you get a chance because it's terrifying. It's again, shit terrifies me. That but, terrifies well, there's me. A great, there was a great match. Um, I forget where WrestleMania was, but it was it was called the back lot match between Roddy Piper and Goldust, where yep. they like kind of fought mm. in the back the lot back behind lot the brawl. studio. And Goldust actually ran Roddy Piper over with the car, like ran into him, and he shattered his elbow and like broke a bunch of bones. Wow. <laughs> but speaking yeah. of cocaine, he like Roddy Piper did probably didn't kill that. <laughs> it was the, uh, I, I believe that was the same year as the O.J. Simpson trial, because oh, a big yeah. part of it was they got into a white Bronco mm. and they had a whole overhead scene coming like running out of <laughs> the back lot brawl. I love I love attitude error. Over. I love attitude yeah. error wrestling. I just I love the storylines. Mark Henry gets uh, May, gets May pregnant, oh, May. like oh, yeah. a seventy-five-year-old woman, and she gives birth to a hand. Yep, <laughs> like a, gel- a gelatinous hand. Yeah. Oh yeah. God. So I have a question. That I, think, <laughs> I think I have a question on that note that'll send you guys on what could be an interesting tangent for you uh, guys. Okay. Yes, at Raw twenty-fifth anniversary, the hand did come back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done here. Yep, he was. <laughs> here. He was uh, all grown up. He was, he was a big hand. Yeah. He can't ever... <laughs> He had a child of his own. Yeah, a little. He was training under Killer Kowalski.
Female wrestling used to be the, I'm gonna look at girls that look like strippers, and they're gonna kind of do moves, but there's gonna be a lot of like. Oh. Well, I would say early on, definitely ECW was about t big tits and no ass. But females. let me. Yeah. Okay, I can actually see. Francine, that. Francine. But now it's it's amazing. Now it's a, I see what the women do now. So when was there a change? When did that happen? Because not to undermine people who did it in the nineties. I know Chani, you sucked. I know everybody was like she was a good. She wasn't a good wrestler. Would you, say, would you say Sable? Would you say Sable's around the time when it changed? She was she was just a look. That's what I'm, she was. That's, I know. That, I'm, I'm just, just saying, like she she started it, and then they started to bring in like yeah, Trish Stratus, Stratus and all these people. Yeah, yeah, if you're going for that yeah. era, but like I mean, Snoop Dogg's little niece or whatever who's wrestling right now. That's Sa Sasha Banks. She's fucking nuts. She's so good. Yeah. She's yeah. the highest paid uh, entertainer over in New Japan wrestling right yeah. now. When she came yeah. out and did her fucking debut in New Japan, that was like an elaborate fucking display they did with that. She's a great wrestler. Yeah. Though. So I mean, if you want to go back and talk about women's women's wrestling history, you had Mae Young who was your champion forever. I know she was like ninety. Right, she kept yeah. wrestling she was, all the way. She was wrestling forever. Uh, the other lady that was with her, um, uh, Fabulous Mula. Yeah, Mula. yeah. Fabulous Mula. Yeah. Uh, Luna Vachon. Luna Vachon. Start thinking whose uh, niece is still wrestling uh, shit, right? Mm -hmm. you, you start thinking early '90s, and the two big names are Alundra Blaze and Bull Nakano. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, they put on some fantastic yes. matches mm -hmm. um, that were right up there with with the men as far as in ring psychology and telling a story. Uh, very, very, very. Good. And Bull, she came from from Tokyo, right? She came over from New Japan. Japan. I don't know exactly what uh, what province, um, but yeah, Bull Nakano was the first big heel, and there wasn't like a plethora of women performers at the time. So you had Alundra Blaze and Bull Nakano going up against each other once a year or twice a year, yeah, on on big shows or whatnot. Um, but yeah, you had Luna come in, Luna Vachon. You started to see a transition from being a side piece, being a manager. Um, Miss Elizabeth just Miss was Miss a side Elizabeth. piece. I would know, like she, 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 she played like a perfect role. Yeah. Miss Elizabeth, it was like a great character. Yes, yeah. you know, she added to storyline. She wasn't just there to look pretty. She was. That's what I mean. There was it. a shift. There was a yeah. paradigm shift at one point when it's like, yeah. well, they can be pretty and be amazing wrestlers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but that was also kind of ahead of its time because Miss Elizabeth was best and biggest in the eight late 80s and early 90s yeah oh right and then you had the the hyper sexualization period mm -hmm. of the the early early attitude era mm -hmm. where you know stacy keebler um trish stratus mm -hmm. lita lita lingerie um, matches and things like that oh yeah yeah the puppies <laughs> oh jerry lawler just, yeah mm -hmm. the fucking, some of that shit just wouldn't fly today yeah but there was there was a um a really big transition towards the end of the attitude era where you have trish stratus and lita showing that they, they can hang you know, yeah. you have yeah. Mickey, Mickey James comes in uh, one of the one of my favorite storylines of all time where she's Trish Stratus's stalker and like falls in love with her. Right. So it's it's great to watch. But they're putting on yeah, a that's, show. That's mm -hmm. it. Exactly. They're putting on a great, great show in the middle of that ring. Yeah. And uh, I think they came to a point where they realized that these women were a draw. So we have to make sure that they're able to perform in the ring as well. Mm -hmm. So they started like legitimately training these women to perform in the ring rather than be an accoutrement. And as much as I love ECW, yeah, yeah. ECW never got there. No, it was, it was no. still, it was still it was too, too early. Literally, literally one of Joey Styles, great call. Cat fight! <laughs> like, you know, when, when women would start but I, fighting. I can get why, and I can get why people were watching in the nineties too. But that to me felt like it took away from the sport. Because I'm I'm seeing just you know and there's fucking fourteen year olds in the audience that are like kiss her on her chair, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so yeah, it, right, right. I think that that for some people that was a little off putting. That was a the, little the hypersexualization there. It might have gotten initial eyes on the the product. Everything else Everything that was, was there is what kept you watching. Mm -hmm. Nice, right? But like you can't uh, you can't disavow people like like Victoria or Jacqueline or Molly Holly. Yeah, they all the had, ones that they were all had super a part. athletic and. Yeah. 
helped really change the perspective of good looking side piece or, or what have you, a, a peripheral like addition to mm-hmm. to something that was bigger. They changed it into, wait, we can actually put on a show, we can perform, we can we can kind of hang with with the bigger guys. Let's yeah. step up and let's do this. And mm-hmm. it took, and they were given, finally given the opportunities to do it. Right, right. Yeah. Gradually over the years. Yeah. But what was it? It's taken four, a, and, and, four and years it took ago. A while. Yeah, it took a while for them to get to the point where like these women now they they put on good matches now. Well, it was mm-hmm. four, four, four years stuff. ago. Maybe I agree. Five That's why years I'm asking. Ago, I get blown away. They had uh, two women main event WrestleMania for the first time. Yeah. And it was a fantastic match. Yeah. It wasn't just one of those like, oh, hey, let, let's do it because it's going to be a first. It was it was earned. It mm-hmm. was it was a great, great show. And, and the crowd reciprocated. They weren't sitting there. They weren't using it as like the bathroom match anymore. Mm-hmm. It was okay. literally yeah. like they've been building this up correctly for four months now. This is the payoff. I'm excited to watch it. Matt, I think that's a great way you put it because literally – like in the, even in, in the early nineties, like your stereotypical female wrestling match was literally like five yeah. minutes. Yeah. Was five minutes. Yeah. It was literally yeah. just five minute filler. So like you go to the bathroom and get a, get a beer or whatever. Right. Yeah.